to wrap up this series enjoying multiplied grace and peace. I want to make an attempt. Glory be to God. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. Second Peter chapter 1. Let's take verses 1 and 2 actually. Hallelujah. Second Peter chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. Peter. No. Sorry. I was in first Peter. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. That talks about us, right? Through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord and the church say amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor and say to them, Hasid, Shalom, Lachem. Look for another neighbor and say to them, Hasid, Shalom, Lachem. Look for a third neighbor. You are prophesying. And what you are saying is grace and peace. To you. Say to them, Hasid, Shalom, Lachem. God bless you, real good. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. We live in a time that the world is distressed, the world is under great pressure. And it's a common saying in Nigeria now that pressure is very high. <laughs> One guy was trying to speak English. He was trying to grant an interview. People are dying. People are dying. Yeah. I want me only so you bojo. Pressure deeper. Woo! But here we are laughing in the presence of the Lord. Amen. We are not under pressure. Can I have an amen? The whole world is under pressure. The nations are under pressure. Nigeria is under pressure for so many reasons. Economic reasons, political reasons, and all of that. In fact, do you know that some people had already prophesied, ah, the presidential election will be bloody. It will be this, it will be that. In fact, somebody sent me a text, would there be church on Sunday? Why would there be church on Sunday? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell. Shall not prevail against it. Let them plan. We are not saying that they won't plan. Do you know some people, are, they actually planned for yesterday. But God disappointed their enterprise. So that their hands were not able to perform their enterprise. They meant evil, but God turned it around. Come on, we serve the living God, come on. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you, judgment, I will you will condemn. Say, so this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Their righteousness is of me, said the Lord. That's in Isaiah 54 and verse 13. All the way. No, not 13. That should be verse 17. Glory be to God. So it's a, it's a time that people are really under pressure. Things are happening. There's trouble everywhere on the horizon. But we are God's children. And God is mindful of the fact that we are here at this time. God is mindful of what you're going through. As a child of God. And that's why he has packaged these two powerful forces, grace and peace, to help you navigate through these stormy times and to put you over, to get you out on the other side better than you went into the situation. Let me tell you something. I'm trying to even summarize what I'm going to share this morning. That we are children of God does not mean that trouble will not come. Trouble is an integral part of life. Opposition is an integral part of life. When you are trying to get higher in life, when you are trying to climb the ladder of success or whatever it is moving on in life, you will meet with opposition. 
There will be times that things might not go the way you actually exactly planned them. There will be times that people might gang up against you and say stuff against you. People call you all kind of names and all of that. But is God aware that such times will come? Yes, he is. Nothing catches God by surprise. What we are going to go through in 2015, God already knows. In 2025, God already knows. In 2098, if we are still here, God already knows. Amen? But he just doesn't know. He has also made a provision to see you through. So no matter what happens, you are not going down with the storm. Your boat is not going to capsize as long as Jesus is on your boat. Can I have an amen to that? One thing is needful. Faith. Faith is needful. That's how we walk with God. We walk with God by faith. We cannot please him without faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith grants us access to this grace and peace. But I really am not teaching about faith this morning. <laughs> I, I cannot but talk about faith, but that, that's not my focus this morning. The, the main thrust of my message this morning is to answer a simple question. Okay, so grace is God in my race. Grace is when I'm doing certain things, ordinary things, but I'm able to do them extraordinarily. That's God putting the extra on my ordinary. So it becomes extraordinary. God putting the super on my natural. So it becomes supernatural. That's grace. You pray for someone and good things happen. Somebody prayed about the weather and the weather change. You did the natural, but he put the super on your natural. That's grace. Some of you can do certain things in such a way that other people will find difficult to do it because you have the grace. And I don't want us to take the grace of God for granted and I don't want us to frustrate the grace of God. That's why we are not supposed to be living in sin just because we know we have grace. Grace is not for sin. Titus 2 tells us that from verse 11 that grace teaches us to fear God. Grace should actually make us humble. When God begins to do certain things in your life, you know this is not you. Like all the testimonies I had this morning, this, this couldn't have been Pastor Fred. Your computer went bad and then, you, and, then you, and then you prayed and then after weeping and weeping like you had never wept in your life and the Holy Ghost told you, pam, pam, did you call Pastor Fred? If you call Pastor Fred, it's a computer. He doesn't know, it's a computer bala blue. Are you with me this morning? I mean, there, there is nobody whose problem I can solve. Can I even solve my own problems? But when I, I'm, I'm, I'm privileged under God to stand in agreement with you or stand in intercessory prayer and say, Lord, I'm praying for the expression house, whatever it is, Lord, and he hears, it's grace. Are you with me? Are you with me? God has not only given us grace, which is a merited favor, he has also given us peace to enjoy that grace. Because look, if you don't have peace, you will make mistakes. If you don't have peace, you will feel the impact of the pressure. People have money, they can't sleep in the night. You know what is absent? Peace. But in Philippians 4, 7, it says that the peace of God that passes all human understanding will guard your heart and your mind. They call it peace that makes no sense. You know why they say it doesn't make sense? Because it passes sense. It goes beyond human understanding. May God bless you with that kind of peace. Such that in the middle of the storm, you can still have peace. In the middle of your situation, you can still enjoy the peace of God. And you know, sometimes when we worry, 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 we worry as if worry will bring the solution. All the things you worried about five years ago, think about them. Did they kill you eventually? Did your worry produce the solution eventually? So when we worry now, we just want to damage our health. The Lord actually warned me some time ago because I was very, very worried about a particular situation. He said, you better don't, don't injure yourself before your miracle arrives. So you can have sound health to enjoy it when it arrives. Who makes us worry? Who puts pressure on us? I can tell you it's not the Holy Spirit. I can tell you it's Satan the devil. When you're going, listen to this. I'm not even preaching from my note now, but listen. When you're going through a situation, the devil will magnify that situation more than the real situation itself. And sometimes he will use people to say things that would put fear in you. 
Is it like, ah, oh, ah, it has killed like 15 people that I know. One, two, three, four, mm, oh, actually about 25 people. And it's a lie. It wasn't the same situation that killed them. They don't even have the information that they are trying to dish out to you. Has the devil ever scared you about something and then you rush to the scene all for you to meet that person sleeping? Somebody said, oh my God, because I've been there. He had tormented my mind so much about one of my sisters several years ago and I would rush back home. Like your sister is all over the place now. She's just restless. And then back the door open and the girl is on the couch sleeping peacefully. And my heart will be panting. God knew that all these agitations and palpitations would come. Ahead of the enemy, he had packaged grace and peace. Make this your own personal confession. Stand before the mirror. I do this now. Sometimes in midnight, go to the convenience, I turn on the light, I look at myself in the mirror, and I say, grace and peace to you, Fred. And I say, in Hebrew language, chasid shalom lachem. Hasid shalom lachem to you, Fred. Speak to yourself. Speak to yourself. Nobody might be doing this for you. You need to do it yourself. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me, church? Look, look, Christianity is a DIY, and that's why I like this church. This is a DIY church. It's a do-it-yourself church. Nobody will be able to carry you for a long time. And they are not calling me. They didn't call me on my birthday. Sorry, for, for, forgive us. How many people did you call on their birthday? It's a church to grow. Grow! Be a blessing. I pray for you again this season. Grace and peace will be multiplied to you. How do grace and peace multiply? How? We have been talking about enjoying multiplied grace and peace, but how do they actually get multiplied? Listen, that scripture we read, which is our anchor scripture, but let's go back to it. Second Peter 1, 2. It says grace, if you read it well, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? If you have a Bible, can you read that? The key is there. The key is there. Through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Peter, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, revealed to us that grace and peace get multiplied through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may know the Bible from cover to cover. And yet, you may not know God, the author of the Bible. Oh, no, Pastor Fred, I thought God and his word are one. You've always told us that. Yeah, so if I can memorize Genesis to Revelation, that means automatically I know God. No, you can be a professor of theology and not know God. You can be a professor of linguistics and you can read the Bible or professor of English and you can, anybody can read the Bible. It's an open book. You can read it, read it, read it, put all the syntax and semantics together and yet misinterpret it and not know God. Knowing God is not about head knowledge. There are actors and actresses who quote the Bible as part of their, you know, production. Now, those of you into, who are in film production, you will know that. You have a script as an actor. They can give you some 119 verses 1 to 10, and they ask you to act the role of a pastor's wife, and you must quote it. You will quote it. You go and learn the lines, and you quote it. Does that mean you know God? Today, in the body of Christ, when somebody is able to quote scriptures and, and read out scriptures, what? That guy knows God. No, he knows the Bible. Thank God for that knowledge. That knowledge is supposed to lead us to the author of the book. The Bible introduces us to him, but don't stop at just knowing the Bible. Worse still, some don't even know the Bible at all. So I wonder what chance they stand in knowing God. Knowing God goes beyond the letters. It's a spirit, spirit, thing. It's a spirit, spirit communication. It goes beyond just the logos. It goes beyond just the letters. Your head may be full of Aramaic and Greek. All the translations of the Bible and yet you miss God. Papa Hagen made this statement years ago. I didn't understand it now. I understand it better. You may dexterously be able to Dish out words from your pastor. 
or from your apostle or reverend or bishop about God. But knowing about God is different from knowing God. So there are two levels. Actually, we all start out knowing about God, but we shouldn't stay on that level of knowing about God. Please listen to me, Expression House. And make sure you're not on your phone right now. Make sure you're not on your phone unless you're in media ministry. Make sure you're listening to me because this, this will change your life. I'm not even going to rush this. I'll go as far as time will permit me and I'll stop. We'll take it up again in the future. All right? Now, how then do I know God? You know God by the Holy Spirit revealing the Father and the Son to your heart. You know God beyond what your pastor says about him. You know God for yourself, privately, personally, on your own, in your room, alone with God, in the place of intimacy, in the place of feasting on the word, meditating on the word, in the place of praying and listening for his voice, God, by the Holy Spirit, begins to reveal his nature to you. When I started knowing about the goodness of God, that God is a good God, nobody taught me. The Holy Spirit did. When I began to know about the faithfulness of God, that God is so faithful and dependable and reliable, nobody taught me. The Holy Spirit did. But these things came in the place of aloneness with God. In the place of spending time alone with God. Do you need the Bible to know God? Yes, you do. Do you need your prayer time? Yes, you do. But hey, knowing God is a spiritual thing. It's a spirit, spirit communication. Jesus said in John 4, 23, he says God is a spirit and they that must worship him must do so in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. You cannot know him after the flesh. Like I know my dad, I know his best food. And no, knowing God is a, is a thing. Is, is, it comes by revelation of the Holy Spirit into your spirit man. So when the storms come and try to shake you off, the knowledge of God that you have in your spirit helps you to anchor so that you don't lose your place and you don't lose your mind. No matter the pressure you put on the tube of a toothpaste, you can't get tomato puree. It is what is on the inside that will come out. Is that right? When you press it hard and all the toothpaste are out, you say, let me keep pressing, maybe I will get tomato puree. No, you won't get it. It is still toothpaste that will come out. Knowing God is loaded on the inside of your spirit. When the pressures of life come to press you, the knowledge of God that you know, that you have, is what is going to come out. Don't let me run ahead of myself. That knowledge is very important because it is what will deliver you. And you shall know the nasco. You shall denasco the truth. You shall know the truth. And the truth that you know will do what? Will make you free. Will make you free. Can I have an amen to that? The truth you know. It's like when you know the truth of by his stripes I'm healed. When you know that truth alone, no matter the sickness and disease, no matter how long it lasts, if you know that you know that he took the stripes and I'm, I'm taking the healing, you are going to be healed. I know, for example, I cannot be stranded in life. I know by experience. You must begin to know God by experience. It is called supernatural encounters. In Genesis 20, 16, Jacob awoke out of his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. He had an encounter with God that left him a changed man for life. Seek encounters with God. Stop seeking churches and programs. Seek encounters. Yeah, come to church, be a member, join the ministry, start serving, but seek encounters with God. Seek encounters with Jesus. This is what will help you in the day when nobody can help you. When your friend's phones will not be available. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us 
just as King Jesus reveals the Father. He said to Philip, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. So this is no guesswork at all. We're not talking guesswork here. If it's guesswork, in the time of the storm, it will be revealed. You know, people claim, I have faith, I have faith, I'm a man of faith, I'm a woman of faith, you know, I've got great faith. Okay, we'll see your great faith in the, in the time of trouble. <laughs> if you fall like a pack of cards, then there was nothing to you in the first place. The Bible says if you fail in the day of adversity, then your strength is small. Anybody can mouth faith. I have big faith. But when trouble comes, you are given a diagnosis and they say it's incurable. What happens? Or like some of the testimonies we had this morning. When you face a seemingly impossible situation, you are fired from your place. Or you apply for a job and you are given a letter of rejection. And the devil will tell you that's the end of it. You see now, you are not meant for this. If you were meant for it, your first appointment, your first application, you can't be rejected. He will try to convince you and talk you out of your blessing. But you sure know that if a door closes, God will open a bigger one. In fact, any kind of setback that a child of God experiences is only a setup for a bigger comeback. Now, these things come by revelation because we know it's not motivational talk. Romans 8.28 tells us that we know with Genasco that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who have been called according to his purpose. Can I have an amen to that? So if somebody walks out of your life and says, I don't love you anymore, you're not beautiful, let them go if I give them transport fare because that is part of God's plan for your life. Can I have an amen? If they don't go, the better one will not come. They have been occupying space and they need to go. Are you with me this morning? Psalm 36 and verse 9 tells us, For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. The Father is the source. The Holy Spirit reveals him to us. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. I don't know Jesus. I really want to know him. Let the Holy Ghost reveal him to you. So you stop seeing him like that baby in the religious calendar. Those calendars fly around, around Christmas. One baby with chubby cheeks. And you are still seeing him as a baby. Jesus, no, no, no. That's the lion of the tribe of Judah. How did I get to know that? By revelation. So you stop knowing Jesus like a prophet. Like some say, what's that nonsense? It's more than that. It comes by revelation. Can I have an amen to that? In John 16, can I have this on, on the screen, please, media? A few minutes ago. John 16, 13 to 14. Jesus made a statement about the Holy Spirit. He said, I will be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come. It will guide you into all truth. Into how much truth? Everything. Concerning your academics, your relationship, your health, your finances. It will guide you into all truth. How much truth do you want to know? Tell the Holy Spirit. That was what happened to Deborah. When the computer crashed. The Holy Spirit will guide you into how much truth? All truth. All truth. All truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, even the Holy Spirit is taking instruction from someone, whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Next verse, please. He shall glorify me, Jesus. So when you see Jesus being magnified in your life, when you are getting to know him some more, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine. He will take instructions from me and shall show it unto you. There is a level where you hear from God. There is a level where you see from God. He didn't say he shall tell you. He said he shall show. He shall show it unto you. He shall show it unto you. That's revelation. Somebody say revelation. You can deny what you hear. You can't deny what you see. I mean, I saw the two of them like this in the very act. There's nothing you can tell me. That's a wife who caught her husband in adultery with another woman. I saw, I saw the two of them. Now, 
Maybe you have been hearing rumor. Your husband is dating somebody. Your husband is dating somebody. Your husband is dating, dating a girl somewhere. Your husband has, a, has an affair. And you've been hearing. You can deny that. It might not be true. They're just spoiling my husband's name. He's a, he's a nice man. But then you walked into them. Now, what explanation? It's, it's always very appalling to me and very nauseating. When I watch uh, once in a while a movie where the wife catches the husband in, in the very act, and what they say is, it's not what you think. Now, she's not thinking. She's seeing. And they say, it's not what you see. And then they say, what nauseates me, I can explain. What? What can you explain? Or somebody is stealing your money and you bumped into them. They already opened your bag and they already, now in, in the days of cash crunch, you got some 20k new notes and somebody is already trying to get 5k out of it and you got them there and said, no, I can explain. I can, no, it's not what you think. Oh, oh, okay. You wanted to take it to the state to act drama, right? Excuse me. No matter the explanation they give you, you caught them red-handed. Is that right? You can know God red-handed. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will show you. I pray for someone, may you begin to know God personally. Because this is what will help you. Your dad is a pastor, thank God for their life. They have their own journey and their own challenges. You have your own journey in life. I'm a pastor, my son has his own journey in life. The best I can do for him is to teach him God's word. But I'm not going to have to travel his journey for him. How then do I get this revelation? Jesus said the Holy Spirit will show it unto me. That's revelation. But how do I access revelation? I remember the words that the Holy Spirit gave me about two, three years ago during a blaze. He said revelation is in the womb of meditation. Revelation is in the womb. Like a baby is in the womb of a woman. Revelation is in the womb of meditation. If you won't sit down to meditate on the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit breathe on those words, you will be empty in the time of trouble. Your head may be full of what a particular minister has said to you or what they say, quote, quote, but your heart will be empty and there will be nothing for faith to feed on because faith is an issue of the heart, not of the head. Romans 10, 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Listen, if you don't have anything in your heart, then sorry, nothing for faith to feed on. The word of God has to dwell richly in you. The words of Christ have to dwell richly in you. So that in the days of trouble, faith can have something to draw on. Meditation. The best time of my day is when I'm able to sit alone with Jesus and the precious Holy Spirit. I can be on a verse a whole day, one verse, meditating on it, pondering over it, putting myself in the picture. So you have this, I have these symptoms in my body. But I can see that by stripes I'm healed according to Isaiah 53 verse 5. It might just be Isaiah 53 verse 5. Or maybe you're in trouble. God started a process in your life. I hope young men are listening to me and I hope you're not sleeping on me. I have like 20 minutes to wrap this up. But please listen. God started a process in your life. But it has gotten to a stage for delivery. And it looks as if the enemy is trying to destroy that. I experienced that not too long ago. That's called abortion. Some of us start things big time. We don't have any problem starting, but we have a problem finishing. That is called abortion. In the midnight, I woke up one midnight and I left my bedroom and I went to the living room. I have a Bible in my living room. I have a Bible in my bedroom. I have a Bible. In, I have Bibles in my office, so I ensure that wherever I spend time, I have at least two Bibles. In fact, I think I have like three of them at home. 
one of the Bibles, I just went on my knees on the couch. I wanted to pray. And I felt the Holy Spirit telling me to open my Bible. And I went to Isaiah 66 and verse 9. Can we look at this? This is for somebody this morning. I don't know who I'm talking to. Whether the person is here physically or the person is um, online. These words jumped at me and spoke directly to my situation. I mean, normally I have Zechariah 4.9. If anything is going to be aborted in my life, quickly I take it out like my, my tool. You know, as a doctor, you want to do surgery, you know how to work your tools, your surgical uh, scalpel and things like that. You wear your scrub and you quickly do an emergency surgery. But there are times that the Holy Ghost is leading in another direction. That's why we must be sensitive. Please listen to me. This service is not going to be too long. I have like 16, 17 minutes. I'll finish this. Okay? Even if I can't finish what I've written down, I will stop. But I want you to get what the Holy Ghost is passing across. The days in which we live are very challenging. You need God. Listen, you need God. If you think somebody somewhere will be there for you, you might be surprised. You might be surprised what they are going through themselves that they're not telling you. So know him now. So you don't have to depend on anybody. Yesterday in my office, the Lord told me, the solution to that thing is not in running around, it's in running to me. That hit me like thunderbolt. I was pacing up and I came to the office yesterday after voting. I went to vote at about one o'clock thereabout because it would be hypocritical of me to ask you to pray and to vote and for me to pray and to not go out and vote. So, so that in case also, some of you ask me, you're audacious enough to say, Pastor, did you vote? So that Pastor would not lie. So I went to vote. From there, I came to the office. And I was, I was feasting on the word. And the Holy Spirit said to me, the solution is in me. It's not in running around. It's not in going from man to man. It's in running to me, your source. God gave me this word. I'd like us to read. If you're still awake, read out loud. Uh-huh. I hope those in charge of MixLR have increased the volume because somebody complained earlier that the volume was so low they could hardly hear. And I hope that the volume also is good on Facebook and on YouTube. God bless you. For the sake of those online who are on audio, whatever, audio channel, I'm going to read with the microphone. So we read together. You've read already? Now let's read together. One, two, go. Shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth? Sayeth the Lord. Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb? Do you think God will do this? Come on. Do you think God will do this? Do you think God will cause a woman to be pregnant and to bring, to come to the point of bringing forth and then God will close the womb on the woman? That will kill the woman. That's abortion. God said that to me, and those words hit me. And I prayed for three hours using this scripture, just this one scripture. And I'm still on it. So every time I feel pressure, I pressure the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Not just the written word, but what God says to you in your condition, in your situation. It's called rhema, what he says to you. What he says to you. That's how you will live. Matthew 4.4, 4, Luke 4.4. 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In that situation, what has God said to you? What has God spoken to you? Have you got a word from God? You've got a word from Google. You've got a word from friends. You've got a word from the doctor. But have you got a word from God? That is what will see you through. Let me give you some points to ponder. Two of them, two points to ponder. I'll, I'll be very brief with this and then I'll give you an example. Now, listen, number one, you need to have an experiential knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father and the Son, you have the Holy Spirit in you already. You need to have an experiential knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. As you know them personally through the help of the Holy Spirit, grace and peace are multiplied. You grow and increase in the middle 
of your storm. Isaiah 25 and verse 4. Quickly, media, please help me with this. A few minutes to go. Isaiah 25 and verse 4. Then I'll take verses 8 to 9. Now, let's read this together, church. One, two, go. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. This came from a man that had experienced God. He described God as a strength to the poor. Because he had been poor and the Lord strengthened him. There are certain things that are called theory. There is another thing that is called practical. You need to graduate from the theory to the practical knowledge of God. God is good. Has he been good to you? Have you allowed him to be good to you? God is a healer. Have you allowed him to heal you? That young man, Toby, he will share his testimony next month by the grace of God. He's, he carries this car. This car is there. Nobody can tell him a story now that God does not heal. He, he carried that wound for one and a half years. Talk about experiential knowledge of God. You don't have to be sick to know him. All it takes is be exposed to the Holy Spirit. And there are certain things that will drop in your heart and no philosopher can take it from you. No argument can take that from you. No professor can talk you out of it. Because, sir, I've been there, done that. You can't tell me nothing. Are you with me, church? I mean, I know situations where God has rescued me. What are you telling me? Somebody reminded me of that now this morning. I think it was the lady, one of the twins, sharing her testimony. As she was sharing the testimony, that Pastor Fred shared one testimony that he was passing out. He was losing his breath on the plane. Yeah, I remember. That was on the 29th of November, 2021. I was coming from London. And in my presence, my life was ebbing away. I mean, my, I felt my spirit almost leaving my body. And the devil said to me at that moment, that's your body, lifeless body on the stretcher. Can you see if you have been put in a body bag? On the plane, there is no stretcher. I saw a stretcher. I saw a body bag. I saw a body on the stretcher. And he was telling me, that's your body. They will ship you home. Don't worry. Your bags will get to Nigeria. They will send it to your wife. And they will ship your dead body home. I'd never experienced that before in my life. But at the height of it, I heard in my spirit, Genesis 6-3 is still in force. What's in Genesis 6-3? God said, my spirit will not always strive with man, for that he is flesh, and the number of his days shall be 120. And I was able to manage to say, Genesis 6-3 is still in force. Sweat broke out on my forehead. In an air-conditioned plane, God is my witness, sweat broke out on my forehead. I jacked back to life. And the moment when I was going, I was looking at the lady next to me. I had helped her. Immediately I came on board of that airplane. Nobody sat in between us. There was an empty seat. And she needed help. I had helped her. So when I was passing away, I was trying to signal her to help me. But I didn't have the strength. I looked at her like this. I can't you see somebody's going here. She, she didn't know anything. When crunch time comes, there are moments in your life when nobody, no matter how close they are, can help you. They don't even know what you're going through. Only God. The sweat broke out of my face. It was the moment the air hostess, one of the hostesses got to my side distributing food, serving food. And I said, yeah, let me have that. I want fish. Oh, is it chicken? F chicken, yeah, I want chicken. Give me juice. I took my time and I ate. You remember in Mark chapter 5, Jairus' daughter, she was 12 years old, the Bible says, from verse 38, 39, 40. After Jesus raised her back to life, Jesus said, give her something to eat. So I, I took something to eat. Glory be to God. I can't forget that experience. I can't forget that experience. The knowledge of God that you have is what will sustain you. Listen, I said here, you need to experience. Now, okay. You need to experience God. You need to have an experiential knowledge of God through the help of the Holy Spirit. Go back to that Isaiah 25. Isaiah 25. 
Look at verse 4, then verses 8 and 9. Quickly. Verse 4. Isaiah 25, verse 4. This man said, for thou hast made strength to the poor. Are you poor in this service this morning? Is anybody online watching or listening and you're poor? Whatever poverty means to you, the Lord is your strength. Amen? Somebody experienced him and described him as such. I have the story of some blind men. And they said they placed an elephant in front of them. And they asked them to touch the elephant. One of them was in front of the elephant, the, the right opposite the elephant, the trunk. So he was able to touch the trunk. He was able to feel the trunk of the elephant. Another one was holding the air. You know those big flaps? I don't know whether they are airs or whatever you call them. Very flat like this and massive. That was what he held. That was what he was able to feel, the part of the elephant. Another one felt the body of the elephant. The body. You know, the elephant is massive. So then they moved the elephant away and asked the three of them, describe an elephant. The one that held the trunk said, ah, an elephant is a long tree. Very long. Long tree is a tree. A tree. Okay. They asked the second one, describe an elephant. He said, an elephant is like a big leaf. Leaf. A way that is very big and massive. They asked the third one, describe an elephant. The one that felt the body. He said, an elephant is like a mountain. They described the elephant from their experience. We also talk about God from what we have encountered. Some know him as the provider. Ask Abraham. He called him Jehovah Jireh. Abraham was going to slaughter his son. But say, hey, don't kill your son. I have a ram in the ticket. God provided at the nick of time. Some know him as the healer because he has healed them. Others know him as their righteousness. But we can know him as our all in all. Can I have an amen to that? This person said, God has been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress. Are you in distress this morning? May the Lord strengthen you. Can I get a better amen? A refuge from the storm. Some of you don't know storms yet, but they are part of life. Nobody will prophesy a storm into your life, but hey, at some point, storms will come. It can be in the form of your academics. May the Lord continue to be your refuge. A shadow from the heat. Heat is real, like we're experiencing right now, but God is the shadow from it. When the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. Go to verses 8 and 9, quickly please. Verses 8 and 9. Hallelujah. He said, the Lord will swallow up death and victory. Amen. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. Does that include your face? And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth. Amen? Amen. For the Lord has spoken it. Go to verse 9. Verse 9, quickly. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him, and we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. That will be your testimony in the name of Jesus. Give me Isaiah 26, the next chapter. The next chapter, verses 1 to 4. Quickly. Isaiah 26, make sure you are writing. When you come to church, make sure you write. Put down those points. Put down those scriptures. When you get to them, go and look at them again and meditate. This will be food for thought, food for meditation. Isaiah 26. In that day, from verse 1, shall this song be sung in the land of Judah? We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Yes? Quickly, please. Number two. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because they trust in thee. God has used this to deliver me many times. Go to verse 4, then I'll come back to verse 3. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. I say to you, expressionals, this morning, I don't know who I'm talking to. Trust in the Lord Jehovah, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. May the Lord be your everlasting strength. In verse 3, go back to verse 3. He said that we keep him in perfect peace. Some of us are not in perfect peace right now. This perfect peace means shalom, shalom. 
Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. He said, God will keep you in perfect peace. But who is that person that God will keep in perfect peace? The one whose mind, listen up, listen up. The one whose mind is stayed on God. How do I get my mind to be stayed on God? I keep the Lord in my thoughts. When I'm in school, during break time, in between lectures, you take five minutes out and sit down and say, Lord, I just want to thank you because I know you are on the inside of me. I want to thank you for the salvation of my soul. I'm aware that you're working on my situation and I will not be put to shame. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for saving me. My mind is on you, Lord. I keep my mind stayed on you. When you do that constantly, there are times you will forget. When you remember, do it again. You can do that 10 times a day, 25 times a day. The more you do it, the better for you. That keeps your mind away from the trouble. It keeps your mind on God. Keeping your mind on the trouble does not help you. It will magnify the trouble. But keeping your mind on God will magnify God and shrink the trouble. And you will be in perfect peace. Can I have an amen? Let me wrap this up. In Mark 3, 14, the Bible says that Jesus ordained the twelve so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Media, please, you have to keep pace with me. God bless you. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. Before sending them forth to preach, he wanted them to be with him. Jesus wants you to spend time with him so that you can experience him. So that you can have a practical knowledge of him. That's why we should spend time daily in the word of God and in prayer. Be with him first. Now, because he ordained them that they should be with him and they spend time with him. See what later happened in Acts of the Apostles chapter 4. Acts 4 and I think verse 13. Acts 4, 13. It was evident Come on, come on. Act 4.13. Media, please. Let's read it together, everybody. Want to go? Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Those are not nice words to describe anybody, please. They were unlearned and ignorant men. Yes, let's go on. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that what? That they had been with Jesus. They carried an attribute of Jesus. They saw in them what they saw in Jesus. So they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Why? Because they spent time with Jesus. The Yorubas will say, I don't know how Ghanaians say it. But in English, they say you resemble the one that gave birth to you. Jesus said, I have ordained you, stay with me. They stayed with him. They were learning under him. They were learning from him. He was breathing on them. They were having practical sessions. They could see as he was casting out devils. When he left the earth physically, he's still with us, but he left the earth physically. The church started. The church was born. Act of the Apostles chapter 2 verses 1 to 4, the Holy Ghost descended and the church was born. By chapter 3, a miracle was performed at the gate called Beautiful on a man that was lame on both feet. It was that miracle that led to the problem of the apostles. It was a miracle, but they arrested them and they began to examine them. They beat them. They asked them questions. They did all of that. They threatened them. They said, don't speak again in that name. The problem the religious authorities that time had was the power in the name of that Jesus. They killed him, yet his name was still working. Is this so? Don't speak in his name again. Listen, they now told John and Peter, If you ever speak to any man again in this name, we're gonna put you in prison, we're gonna deal with you. <laughs> Peter and John answered by the Holy Ghost, Whether we should obey God or obey you, you judge. They saw the boldness in them, the same boldness in Jesus. Jesus challenged the authority of the time. Woe to you, O Pharisees. 
Woe to you. Oh, hypocrites. Woe to you, lawyers. Woe to you, sons of vipers. Woe. He, he, he was bold. And they couldn't kill him. They saw the same boldness in Peter and John. Where did they get that boldness from? From their fishing business? Church, are you with me? Did they get the boldness from their fishing business? Did they get it from carpentry? They got it from staying with Jesus. The same thing is happening today. Some of you will go to places and you stand up and speak. And they'll say, please come. Where did you get that from? See your boldness. Why should I not be bold? The Bible teaches about being bold and being courageous. I'm not one of the sons of Ephraim that turned back in the day of battle. Psalm 78 and verse 9. I am of the lineage of the tribe of the lion of, um, of the lineage, yeah, of the tribe of the lion of Judah. Revelation 5.5. 5, it tells me, weep not. For the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book and to lose seven seas thereof. He told me in Psalm 110 and verse 2. The Lord will send the rod of your strength from Zion. Rule thou in the midst of your enemies. I'm ordained to rule. Not to run away from my enemies. I'm not one of those that pray. Enemy from father's house, fall down, die. Run away. Where is no, 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 no. I rule in their midst. Can I have an amen to that? He prepares a table before you in the absence of your enemies. After they have died. No, let them be present. In their presence. He anoints your head with oil and your cup is only full. Come on, talk to me, church. Runs over, runs over. More projects will come, more grants, amen? In USD, in British pounds, in yen, in, 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 in euro. Can I have an amen to that? More testimonies are coming into your life. Can I have an amen to that? You'll have more jobs than you can handle. Can I have an amen? The doors of the nations will open up to you in the name of Jesus. You'll be highly sought after by the people in the top echelon in the world in the name of Jesus. You will dine and wine with the princes of your people in the name of Jesus. And God shows up, he shows up. Shows up, shows up. Why were they so bold? Because they had been with Jesus. Why are you so cowardly? Because you have not been with Jesus. That's why you're looking for someone to pray for you, someone to lay hands on you. That's what please lay hands on me. Every night I go to bed, I see a cockroach. The cockroach will not be very big. No. Roar on the cockroach. Hail, hail, Lion of Judah, let the lion roar. Hail, hail, Lion of Judah, let the lion roar. Where is the lion? On the inside of you. Roar back on that situation. Roar on that situation. Don't run away from it. Roar! That's why I love one of the songs that Deborah took this morning. I can't remember the lyrics very well, but it's something about Jericho. You see Jericho, and I'm walking around this Jericho. And what's going to happen? The walls of Jericho will crumble and come down. Every wall of partition, every wall of obstruction in the way of your progress, I command them to begin to crumble today in the name of Jesus. That thing that God started in your life, God will complete it. That good project, whether it's your education, whether it's your travel, whether it's your health, whether it's your finances, God will complete it. His name is not just Alpha. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. It will end in praise. So your enemies, it will end in shame for them. It will end in disappointment for them. But for you, it will end in praise in the name of Jesus. Point number two. It is this knowledge of God that will make you strong and deliver you in the time of trouble. Number one, I told you to have experiential knowledge of God. Number two, I said this knowledge, this experiential knowledge of God is what will make you strong and deliver you when trouble comes. Trouble does come. Daniel 11.32, but the people that do know their God, they shall be weak. They shall be what? Strong. And do what? Exploits. They will do anything. They'll do anything. Now, trouble is part of life. God recon recognizes that in Psalm 91, verse 15. When God said, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. <laughs> when you call me, God answer. Give me Psalm 91, 15. I can quote it, but I want you to see it. He shall call upon me. Who is that he? You. 
That's why you should call upon God. Last Thursday, we had encounter night. My goodness, many of you were missing in action. Those of you that came, were you blessed? We had an awesome time of prayer. We do that now every last Thursday of every month. We just come, empty our heart to the Lord and say, Jesus, sit on us. I saw some comments on my phone. People that were watching live online. <laughs> I said, where are my people? Where are my own people? Where are my people missing in action? We should be the first partaker of this grace. He shall call upon me. God will not call upon himself for you now. Will God pray to himself for you? I pray to myself, I pray to myself, I pray to myself, I will solve the problem. No, you call on him. Rather, we call on people, call on your banker, call on your lawyer, call on your friends, call on your doctor, call on everybody. He said, he shall call upon me. And I will answer him. He didn't say, I might. He said, I will. May God answer you. One of my favorite Psalms is found in chapter 20. Psalm 20. Say, may the Lord hear you in the day of trouble. May the God of Jacob defend you. We'll look at it. Let's look at this one. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him inside trouble. There are times God prevents you from getting into trouble. There are times he watches you like this and you get into that trouble. But he has a better plan. Are you with me? Are you with me? Anytime a child of God is in trouble, it's not the end. God said I will be with him in trouble. So it means that there are times he will get into trouble. But I guarantee my presence inside that trouble. Now, it means when you get into trouble as a child of God, God also gets into that trouble. And when God gets into trouble, trouble itself gets into trouble. Did you hear me? So for some of us right now, trouble is in trouble. <laughs> Amen? That thing troubling you is in trouble because God is involved. Someone say, God is involved. Say, in my case, God is involved. I might have got into it by my mistake, by my shell carelessness. But hey, God does not break his covenant. I'm still his child. Say, I'm a child of God. Make sure you're not sleeping. Say, I'm a child of God. God is with me in my trouble. And God didn't stop there. He didn't say, I will just be with you. He said, I will deliver him. So God will deliver you. Can I have an amen? amen. And finally he said, I will honor him. May the Lord honor you. Amen. May the Lord honor you. Amen. Give me Psalm 20 very quickly. Psalm 20. And I might close here. I actually have examples of people that got into trouble in the Bible. I selected three of them. But I won't be able to take them because of time. I want to stop. Psalm 20. Let's take this. Let's take it while we are standing, please. Pray this over yourself. Turn it to prayer. We'll read it, but as we read it, we're reading it prayerfully. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Trouble comes, oh. Ask David. David had trouble. I will share that with you the next time I'm talking about this. Went out to fight with his armies. By the third day, they came back. Ziklag had been burnt. <laughs> what happens when you get back home? And Ziklag is burnt. This is not getting back home and then all your electronics are missing. Items of furniture. You meet an empty flat. No. This is coming back home to meet ashes. They burnt the city. They took his wives. Took all their children. All of the soldiers that went to fight with him. In fact, at some point they turned on David. They wanted to stone him. The same people that were calling him boss. But because David knew God, the Bible said they wept and wept and wept until they had no more strength to weep. He then encouraged himself in the Lord. I'll share that with you next time. Amen. Trouble comes. Is it Daniel? Going into the, being thrown into the lion's den is not going on excursion and watching the lion from the den, from the cage. No. He was thrown in as meat. He was thrown in to go and die. When he was at the very throne.
God delivered him. What will you tell such a man after that experience? That God sometimes may deliver, sometimes he may not deliver. Will Daniel listen to you? What will you tell Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? After they went into the fire, three were cast into the fire, but the fourth man was there. Jesus showed up in the fire. What will you tell them after they came out? Sometimes God delivers, sometimes God does not deliver. Ah, I need to destroy that theology. People have misquoted that scripture for many years. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us, but if not, if he does not deliver, no, he will deliver, they said. He's able and he will. If he hasn't delivered, why am I here today? Some of us, why are we here? 6th of February. So let me share my son's testimony. We'll take this. Same, somebody said 6th of February also. Grace. That day, I think it was a Monday. I think so. We drove home. And our security man had gone out to drink, as usual. So my son and my wife got down from the car. My son opened the gate. My wife wanted to repack the other car so we could pack this one. The gate moved towards my son. He moved it back gently. The gate moved again towards him, being driven by the wind. That evening was windy, very stormy. I was in the car, observing. The next thing I saw in split seconds was that the gate actually moved. One of the gates, the one on my left now was okay. The one on my right where my son was actually moved and fell flat. My wife had the bang from the compound. She was already in the compound. My son was there. My wife screamed, tyranny! Didn't hear any response. She was shaking like this. The moment I saw that the gate removed, I was outside. My daughter was in the car, at the back of the car. I just put the gear in park. Rolled down the window. The engine was still running. AC was on. I didn't care about anything. I just did two things that I needed to do. Because the car could actually lock and my daughter was still sleeping. So I rolled down the window, put, I quickly just pushed the gear, the transmission in park. And I flew. I didn't run. I flew into the compound. The gate was flat on the floor. My son was on the other side. How did you escape it? He says, something told me, move. You don't appreciate that testimony. I did not appreciate it until later in the night when four of us men were at home. We now said we can't leave one gate closed and we have the space. Snakes could come in, anybody could come in, even though we have security on the estate, but you don't want to leave your gate open. So we said, let us move it as a makeshift and block that side. Then the morning, when all of us want to move out, drive out our cars, we'll move it back. Four of us men could not move the gate an inch. I stand before God, I lie not. The kind of iron that was fabricated to make that gate was so heavy and there were no handles. You know, if there were handles, maybe we could have something to hold. So as we were holding it, it was going down. We were holding it. We could not move it. Two days after, my uh, caretaker came in from Lagos. There were some people walking opposite our house. They are building a new house there. So they joined them. Six men. Six men. They could not move it. Six men. Do you imagine the weight? The weight of that gate. If that gate had fallen on an 11-year-old, it would have flattened him. That was what the devil meant. On the 6th of February. I know he hates me so much. And I, I'm telling him again. I hate you devil and I will hate you forever. My God is so good. Is a deliverer. <laughs> After we found. Of course my wife discovered my, my son was not under the gate. If the gate had fallen on the security man who had gone to drink. He would have died instantly. That would have become a serious case also. Because the full animal. And you never know. They can say we killed him. There are four flats in the house. My wife was shaking. I held her from the car. 
My neighbors were out, everybody in shock. I helped her to manage to sit down. Then we all went upstairs. We were all on the floor, worshiping the Lord, thanking him. In the midnight, I went to my son's room. I sat beside him. I was checking him from head to toe. God, what would they have said about me? If I say God is the deliverer, he has delivered me. That day was a Monday. You remember, I went on a retreat the week before. From Friday to Sunday. My retreat was on Friday. I prayed all through Saturday. I mean, I just had a little break. The little break was when that song came to me. And I was weeping. God, why am I weeping? I was crying uncontrollably. I said, that, then I made an explanation. I said, God, I'm weeping because I'm thanking you. I'm just appreciating that you've rescued me. I remember that I would have died when I was like him. Somebody took me away. So I thought that was it. And that song came. We'll sing that song next, next month. Don't worry. It's a Yoruba song. The choir will learn it better. We'll sing all the verses. It says, Eba mini olua, alleluia. Eniba more Jesu kuba mi mega. Eba wa ni olua, alleluia. Eniba more Jesu kuba wa mega. Ah, eniba more kuba mi mega. Eniba more kuba mi 